sir. Ooh, Mr. Boss Xavier. Another week, another podcast, another show. We all back. Man, it's hard to do anything 20 sometimes to feel good about it. Feel excited about it. That's tough. We here. What up? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Episode, I want to say 30. Something like that. Getting there. Just like us, right? <laughs> something like that. Say 30 some, yeah, around there. It's a few of us. Shout out to all the 30 sums, man. For sure, for sure. Episode 30 some of the All the Way Live podcast. And another glorious opportunity to get back here speaking to you, my brother. Nah, what's good, man? It's a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, bro. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling good, Don. I'm feeling good. Listen, you know, there's these weeks are getting these these weeks are getting longer. They're definitely getting more challenging and more difficult. However, um, it definitely still feels like the year of miracles happening and the year of being able to materialize concepts and thoughts. You know, there's so much opportunity around this. So I cherish this space over here as another opportunity, a creative outlet, if you will. And I would rather I would not be doing this with anybody else other than my brother Mars Xavier. Hey, bro. I share the same sentiments. I want to also bring some people into that because I appreciate everybody that's listening, whether it's one person, 10,000 people, 1 million people, the whole world. We feel tuned in, tapped in, and just appreciative of y'all, man. So, look, I'm going to let my brother tell y'all what y'all going to get in this here thing, and then we're going to give y'all the show. Hey, hey, and you know we here at the All The Way Live podcast where we start with, man, is welcoming absolutely everybody to the show, whether it's one person, 10 people, 10,000 people, a million people, it don't matter to us. Everybody is appreciated here in this space over here, the space of intentional positivity and especially that carefully curated content for your cranium every time. Every time, that's what we do. That's what we do, let them know. That's what we do. And how we do that is by breaking up this show into three different parts. That first part being stumble upon. Now stumble upon, this is where the things, thoughts, and interesting finds throughout the week between me and Miles Xavier, we bring it over here. And one of those things this week is the relevance of religious holidays. We're fresh off of an Easter break, Mr. Mr. Miles. Yeah, shout out to all y'all who enjoyed y'all long weekend. We're going to get into uh, what that means to on different sides of the secular spectrum. Indeed, indeed. And there's a lot of spectrum in that. There's a lot of spectrum in that. And then from there, we take it into current news. Now, in current news, this is where me and Miles Xavier reach for where? The tip. The tip top. That's right. The tip top of news and current events. We bring that down and we decipher it for y'all. We break it down for y'all. We read things for y'all. Y'all already know, man. What else more could you ask for? You couldn't ask for more. You couldn't. But wait, but wait. There is, though. There is more about Xavier. The last part of the show is our absolute favorite part of the show, which is recommended and reviewed. Can you tell people why this is the best part of the show for us? Well, I love recommended and reviewed because we get to interact with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the part of the show where we take the things that y'all want to hear us talk about. We talk about some things, let you know if it's a, or a you know what I mean? So we're going to let y'all know. This week, we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong. The people want it. 
the people were watching it, the people wanted. And I think an interesting, an interesting uh, tangent, even on that conversation alone, is how this new medium of uh, cinema and TV releases at the same time happen. And like, are those here to stay? You know, are those going to go away now that we're reopening up and cinemas are back in the 50%? Man, there's so much content. There's so much content. Now our cup runneth over. What y'all want? <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying, man. No, but Joe Joe Brick is definitely in the building. You know what it is. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Chicago is also in the building. You know what I'm saying? We always got to shout out the illustrious gallery, Momo. You know what I mean? I see you adding to the background. We got ferns in this thing now. You know what I'm saying? Growth. Growth, as always. Every weekend. Every weekend. But that's right, y'all. Y'all know who's in the building on this side. The building is in Chicago. This podcast is filmed on stolen land, recorded on stolen land. We are speaking to you from the land that belongs to the Potawatomi people. Belongs in the sense that they believe that than that in their customs, in the Council of Three Fires, right? And so the violence that was done to them to remove them from that land is inseparable from the violence that we see in our cities, in our country, and in our world. It's a lot of it. I know y'all see it. Hold your people. With that, we are grateful to be here. You know what I'm saying? We are grateful to be speaking to y'all. We lift up love for Native American people the world over. Yes, uh, Native people the world over for love between black and brown people the world over. And uh, with that intro over, let's get into the show. I was going to tell you to double check your mic to make sure your mic is on. Should be, should be. Check, check, chiggity. Yeah. Is that better? I just turned it up a little bit. That's, a, that's better. All right. We still in this thing. Is this good or should I turn it up more? This should look nah, good. This, this is good. This is good. This is good. How, cool. am I, how, how am I coming through? You're good. Oh, we flying, it. baby. We flying, baby. Soul plane. <laughs> it's the soul plane. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, so recommended uh, stumble upon, right? The stumble upon conversation, which is the relevance of religious holidays. Now, uh, quite, quite frankly, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult, it's not a difficult conversation per se, but as you had said, there is, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to consider on the spectrum. The first things that I, that I thought about, right, is that as time goes on, and we've seen many holidays now being, um, a lot of holidays like Columbus Day has been stripped. We have seen the, the, the removing of certain celebrations and holiday. Thanksgiving is on its way out. Right. And so even even a lot of the the other religious holidays that dominate that dominate the calendar, the question is what is is there going to be relevance for religious holidays going into into the future? I think it's hard to remove things that have been institutionalized to a certain extent, right? There are certain things that we just start doing and they they fit into the rhythm in our lives in such a way that we don't ever want to remove them. So, right, another example, at least here in the States, is that our school runs on like an agricultural type calendar. Our break for the summer is time that was really important for, you know, when most people were farmers for the as much labor, aka kids, to be home as possible to do the work, right? As that shifted, as we started doing different jobs, we never got rid of that that school summer break. And I'm personally glad every school summer break I ever had, I appreciated you, Digny. But um, it's a, it's one of those things that becomes entrenched. And I think in very much the same way, a lot of rules do. 
you know, a lot of holidays. Yeah. We don't want to let go of those. I certainly cherish days that I know I have off that aren't PTO, whether I observe the religious holiday or not. So yeah. from even a human perspective, did you observe Easter in any different type of way? Have you ever? It, um, I grew up in a very religious household in a very religious family, much like, you know, a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of black people have. And so over, over time, um, over time, a lot of the, the holidays just kind of fall and just become days of celebration outside of days of having actual spiritual um, either practice or relevance to it. Obviously, there's a whole Sunday you're going into church thing. Uh, there's that element of it. But then outside of that, what else, what, what else does the celebration entail outside of a day off and outside of day of shopping and things of that nature? So, you know, when... For me, as I'm getting older, I must say that how I practice religious holidays is definitely changing. And I'm starting to ask myself more and more the origins of the holidays and what they mean. And then kind of deciding on that point of view, if that is something that I want to be able to support or that is something that, you know, deserves me, deserves of me to be more cautious about how I celebrate it a la Thanksgiving. That is the murder. That is the celebration of the murder of the whole group of people. You know, I don't feel comfortable call. I don't feel comfortable celebrating under those times. But if we change it and then we make it like Friendsgiving or something of that sort, then it becomes you know a lot more relevant to me. Yeah, and I think you're speaking to something a lot of people probably are uh, participating in and and witnessing is that people are taking these holidays and and. Uh, creating their own definition of it, right? A lot of people, and I, and I feel like Black folks in particular have always done this, right? A lot of holidays for Black folks, 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, have just become, we cooking out. And that's cool, you know what I mean? Me personally, for Easter, right, I'm going over to my mom's just to have dinner, right? Like, I don't, we have conversations about religion sometimes, just as I think we've matured, our relationship has matured, and I've matured to a place where we can have a more, those conversations are more equal footing rather than her being prescriptive of me. But we don't, I don't anticipate this being uh, any more religious than any of our other interactions, but it is a time that we are going to take advantage of. Why not to be together, right? And I think a lot of holidays, whether their roots are in religion or not, can be that. Thanksgiving is one example. I've had conversations with homies about even like Valentine's Day, right? And how yeah, it's corny if you get too wrapped up in the commercial side of it, but it's a reminder to just show the people you love, you love them. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Even with Valentine's Day, seeing the adoption of, say, Galentine's Day, which, you know, is women celebrating each other and taking care of each other. Um, I would like to suggest Palentine's Day for the pals. For the pals? For the homies? For, for the pals. Palentine's Day. Hey, I like Palentine. it. It might catch on. We can make t-shirts of that, dude. That could be our first merchandise right there. Let's make maybe not our first. Let's come up with something <laughs> a little bit more neutral, just a regular all the way live t-shirt and then the Palentines. And gotcha. the Palentines. Yeah, if you and if you want those Palentines, please hit us in the in the comments right there. Uh, let us know how the people feel about that. We'll get that over to you ASAP. All, yeah, all, all three people comment. It's going to be real hard to top Palentine's as an episode title, but we can do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way to it. You know, that's and that's um, on that, on that top, on that topic, right? This is where like um, Yuval Noah, who wrote Sapiens, Homo Deus, uh, 
the 21 lessons for the 21st century. On, the, on 21 lessons for the 21st century, um, he highlights the almost cyclical nature that ideologies tend to have over civilizations over a particular point in time, right? So for instance, um, the concept of, um, uh, the, the, the concept of, of democracy, for instance, was a galvanizing ideology that could even allow worlds to go into wars over the protection of this concept of democracy and of, and of communism and of capitalism and, and all of that, right? And so over, over time, you have these various different um, ideologies that can band people together. And once they lose the capacity to be able to band people together, then it kind of begins its it begins its, it, it dissipates right it begins to dissipate so for instance the, the example that he uses is that uh, if you were to take for instance uh, someone in let's say for instance the middle east just because we understand the the stringency of that of of the religion in that part of the world and how it's interpreted there if you were to ask them do you, would you want to move to germany right? A country where it's a lot more free, maybe not so much for people from the UAE, but would you like to move to, say, uh, the US? Or actually, now that I think about it, do the, <laughs> those are two terrible places to yeah. go if you're from there. <laughs> all to say, all to Door number say, three, please. And I was cooking. Good. Back. Turbulent. Turbulent. Is the, the price, price you, pay you pay for flying high? Flying high. <laughs> yes. Um, as I was getting to bed, it's just that <laughs> that is the episode of the day. You're on the soul <laughs> play today, son. Big fact. <laughs> but you, but you feel me? What I'm saying about you, you well know. Like people are now starting to take into consideration different things regarding where they want to live, uh, the people they want to marry, and even globalization and the cross sections of of communities. Um, it makes it makes the all to say that you know with religion it's hard to now galvanize an entire group of people in mass not in pockets but in mass behind the concept of religion fascinating theory fascinating theory that is that is a fascinating theory uh yeah i think i mean maybe that maybe that influence is waning in a lot of ways, right? I think there are still structures that speak to the ways that people have been galvanized by religion, mega churches, right? In whatever country that they might exist, right? I think show that. I think churches are still in certain communities, like, right, like uh, an anchor institution. But I think it's really interesting to think about how those ideas do take hold and then are kind of on untangled and then start to dissipate sure wish racism would dissipate man we've been trying to untangle that now for a while but uh it is interesting and i think what we see with racism and what we see with a lot of these issues whether it be religion is that these things that i think you're right about the cyclical nature of them their influence kind of dissipating but they hold on to it and we see people we see extremism form when that yeah there is a less of a reaction from something that used to hold a lot of weight dictate a lot of social norms like religion right like racism like yeah. sexism right mm -hmm. we see a lot of backlash and people try to hold on to that yeah yeah and it's 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 really it's really fascinating because when you look at the statistics of it 
the number of people attending churches is decreasing across the globe. Um, the, if you'd call it the, the, the acquisition rate, you know, the rate at which religions are now taking on new members and things, uh, new members and new congregants, um, that, that, that number is starting to go down as well. It's, uh, something very fascinating, um, that could, that I think speaks on the realities of the change of time that are at hand. Whereas there's, the, the world is so, it's such a different place. The world is such a different place and out the rules that the world is governed by now um, so happens to have to include the whole world because we have access to it. Yeah. The world isn't religious anymore. It's spiritual. Yes. 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 Right. And as cliche as we might've heard that a lot from a lot of, a lot of, I think that phrase has been tossed around a lot, but I think it rings true in the sense that people are less worried about, uh, maybe not less worried about the idea of what happens when you die and this, this code that of rules that you have to follow strictly uh, to, to gain your way into a certain afterlife or to live the way that God wants you to live, whatever, whoever that God might be. But I think you are seeing a lot of people be much more interested in a way of interacting with other people, in a way of living a healthy life, in a way of living a life that is fulfilling. Uh, and I think when you start to simplify to some of those more simple questions than those big overarching ones. I think you do get, you start to see the roots of spirituality versus that religion. And I think that is becoming a lot more prominent. People are just trying to figure out what type of energy they can carry to get through the day, whether they're using the words like energy or not, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. What I hate about this new spiritual, not religion culture is the many different you know, granted spirituality is a very subjective thing and you can be able to take it on and digest it and relate to it as you so seem fit through your lenses but there are a lot of things that get the that get the blanket over spirituality we, it's just like this 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 that's not spirituality y'all this just hot yoga <laughs> but that's but that's part of it that's that's whoever's journey you know what i mean and if and if hot yoga is you know if somewhere amidst the the sweat and the the latex and the the farts you can find a space to start to meditate and and find a a, a way of of slowing your own thoughts down that's useful to you then that can be a door to something more spiritual i think part of it all of it is just accepting wherever people might be at on their journey whether that path intersects with yours or not and i think yeah. that you know, that is something that religious in its best form teaches, but I think that people are looking outside of religion for, for things that fulfill, fulfill them in that way. What else do they want? Um, Jumping off of that, and actually hot yoga is such a terrible, hot yoga is such a terrible example because that there is a lot of spirituality in that, admittedly. But for instance, our over-reliance on um astrology right you'll hear people attach themselves to astrology and then from there it's not just about your star it's about the moon and then it's about your morning moon and then your morning star and then it's about the your the sun that what sun phase was it when you were born and whether mercury is in retrograde or not that's such a spaghettitarious thing to say <laughs> For sure. You're a thousand percent of spaghettitarius. Like I could just tell by the way that you dismissed astrology, bro. 
Don't diss uh, astrology. Oh yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a spaghettitarius. Don't don't call me dinosaur names on my podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> bad, you're a Capricorn, dude. That's, that's Cap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. But that's to to that effect is that once you get rid of religion. Or once religion starts being relevant, people then start looking outwards into, into those different types of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think there are a lot of things. But I mean, who who knock who who are we to knock anybody's system of beliefs, right? If if believing in astrology, if if deciding that you ain't messing with nobody that was born between April 14th and May 7th has led you on a path that has made you happy, then like, hey. Shout out to you. That's something that I've learned too is when talking to people is that like, for me, treating people the way that I want to be treated, um, you know, talking about and, and, and finding relationships to help build and manifest what I want to happen has worked for me, right? Believing in, in that system has worked for me, but that hasn't been everybody's experience. Some people feel like they've tried the things you've tried uh, and, and, it, and it hasn't worked for them. And so whatever journey, whatever people are on, like, I think it's just, it, it might be it might be less linear than it seems so somebody told me the other day if uh you know i find myself in the same room with you then i feel like we're equals and that resonated with me right like, because like i agree with that if, if if no matter if i find my, if me and you were in the same room then neither of us are better than than the other not that we are when we leave that room but i think that that is a really and an affirmation of that and you have no idea if somebody's going straight up or straight down. That's why they say comparison is the thief of joy, bro. You have no idea when somebody leaves the way that you saw them, where they're going, right? It might look like a fun, a happy night. Everybody was having fun. Some people was a little bit tipsy. That's good, man. We're going to leave everybody how they was. You know what I'm saying? That's great. You never know. That's how they left pop. That's how they left big. You never know what's going to yeah. happen, where somebody's going at. So don't compare, bro. That's real. That's real. And in that, within that, I think it's all the whole premise of when we're in the same room, we are now sharing the same stage in this strange rock that we're in. We're now occupying our universes are going to cross over in this particular, in this particular stage, in this particular scene or however you want to call it. Right. And so once you're there, it's just kind of, and that's, and that's what compassion is. Compassion is being able to see people, as people and as and as kinfolk you know empathy right empathy being able empathy. to appreciate somebody else's experience and that they do and have experienced the same full range of emotions as you and so for some people that might mean that christmas is everything we don't necessarily take down our christmas decorations until months and months and months afterwards because we love christmas and we love that feeling and mm. you know we might think that's corny as people who you know, don't uh, necessarily attach the same respect or, or adoration to holidays, but you don't know if that was a staple of somebody's family life, right? Whether that's Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, or whatever, you know, of how they came up. So I think it's dope however people want to celebrate. But I think with secular holidays, we got something that we need to acknowledge the roots of and be like, mm. Maybe we should be celebrating something else. Maybe we should be celebrating our friends instead of some fake pilgrims that mess some people up, right? And I think with some religious holidays, I think what we need to, I think we need to not necessarily judge how 
anybody celebrates that, especially as the world is transitioning in so many ways, in so many religious and spiritual ways. I think it's important for us to just be like, hey, bro, I'm doing this on Sunday. It's a cookout. You coming? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about how much you want to celebrate it when we're there. Um, you know, kind of going on to the opposite side um, on that one um, from, from being celebratorious to uh, the topic of our current news today. So uh, if, if you don't mind walking us in, do we have a transition for this section yet? I think we can find a way to ease on in. To the current news. <laughs> for those of y'all out there that are not living in the States, I just want to say one time, that we're going to try to diversify this topic a little bit. But um, for those of you who have been living in the States, I'm sure for a lot of you, it's been inescapable that the man who murdered George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, his trial started earlier this week. Um, it's been televised, right? So we've been able to see witnesses take the stand. Uh, in trials in the United States, the prosecution goes first before the defense is laid out. So we've been seeing witnesses for the prosecution uh, basically most of the witnesses that we've seen have been folks that have been were present at the scene who had a firsthand account. Some of the people that were recording his death with cell phones, some of the video so, footage that so we've sorry seen. Sorry to cut you. They're, the, no, they're prosecuting the detective. Just to clarify. Yeah. They're prosecuting the detective who had his knee on uh, George Floyd's neck for air. Uh, Eight minutes, 45 seconds. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So I think uh, just the first thing to, to say about it is that people don't feel, at least my understanding from the people that I've talked to who I've been watching it, I don't get the sense that people feel like they're sure which way this is going to go. I think people know how they feel about the video. And I don't think we know how the trial is going to turn out. I don't think very many people would be surprised to see him exonerated, despite the video footage of what he did. And I think that that says a lot about the experience of Black people and people of color in the United States, that uncertainty. It's not just the United States, Miles. It's not just the United States, but... If we're speaking and, you know, if we're speaking exactly, if we speak specifically about the United States, um, the exoneration of policemen who have murdered black people in front of, in front of ample amounts of evidence is not something that is out of the norm. You know, you don't need to go that far back. Um, you don't, you don't need to go that far back in order to see the many times that has happened, even if it's not even policemen, um, a la your George Zimmerman. You, you know what I mean? There's there's many there's been many instances where that has been the case. Even with the case coming up now with Ar Ahmad Arbery, uh, seeing how that's going to go, it's highly possible that that and that that case would not have even been realized if somebody had not gone snooping to find out that you know this family was related to the uh, to the deputy sheriff in the town and they had connections and they were hiding the case and the information was 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 off and things of that nature. You know, we've seen this happen again and again. So I do not fault black people for being um for 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 being very skeptical on how this is going to play out. Yeah. And I think it speaks to 
and understanding that these systems aren't built for us. The system of justice, the system of policing, they're not built for black people, certainly, but even for the average person. They're meant to be operated by people that have money and they're meant to perpetuate a status quo, right? Um, and the idea that we could all be sure that we witnessed a murder, or at least a good percentage of the country, right? Those of us who protested, those of us who took up the call of a Black Lives Matter, largely as a result of his death in the first place. Those of us who were moved by that movement, uh, for there to be such a statement made by so many people, and for us to understand that the system is working against that justice as we've asked for it, I think speaks to the experience of black people and people of color in many spaces, right? So another thing that I wanted, did you, did you want to add something to that? Just to it, yeah. it's just, you know, what bothers me about people who, who say that, who do not see how the system works against uh, people of color, black, black men in particular, is look at, look at what the jails look like, right? Why not look at what the jails, uh, look at the prison, the, the prison industrial complex and see what the percentage of, of people in jail are for and the reasons why they're there. Look at the bail system. And um, uh, there's, there's, there's so many different structural things that are put in place that forcibly end with people of color being at the worst end of what that system is actually supposed to do. Um, do your Googles, do your research. Sure. I think watching those mechanisms makes it all the more difficult to watch as we can see on the video, this crowd of people that are observing and recording, they've been painted as an angry mob is essentially what the defense is trying to paint them out as, right? As if, the officers may, may have made mistakes or gone too far because of extreme circumstances, right? That this wasn't intentional. When George Floyd's history of, of drug use takes center stage as they try and claim that his death was a result of intoxication rather than this nine minute assault. Uh, I think that type of blatant disregard, not only for black life, but for our intelligence. It's insulting, right? To be told that this was anything other than him being killed by that knee on his neck. I think with those mechanisms in mind, it just makes it, it, makes it hard to watch. Uh, it certainly has been for me, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's insulting, but the law has, the law has many times shown its ability in order to protect even some of some absurd theories that some absurd theories, lack of evidence, and even a probable cause of 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 a probable cause of doing something. For instance, with Breonna Taylor, the probable cause of even being able to go into that apartment is still being questioned right now. The warrant that they said that they had used is still in question. Whether it's valid, whether they were allowed to do what they were supposed to do all these different types of things. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, you see them be able to say things like he died from intoxication because they've been able to get away with, because they've been able to get away with, um, 
with 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 living up and get away with this type of thing all the time. Yeah, it's right. And to your point about absurd theories, right? So also this week, as the trial of Derek Chauvin has been going on in the United States, the UK released a report. More specifically, the Commission on Race, Race, on Race, Ethnic Disparity. <laughs> I will be reporting the segment that Mike Tyson, the greatest. And the list, the list community is gonna cancel us. So you better yeah, get sure. yourself together. They're gonna I play feel. this back in 2030. So <laughs> <laughs> insensitive old old comments from Miles's way, laughing at the list community. Word. The irony Word. is too much in this sentence. The irony is too much in this video. Uh, they dude. literally predict their downfall. <laughs> I, that's the CNN banner as I re, as I watch and my kid with a lisp turns to me. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Yo, listen. A report was published by the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities in the UK, claiming that Britain is a model for race relations and found there to be no institutional racism in the country. Oh, that's great, dude. Can we get a gunshot for Britain? Uh, we cannot get a gunshot for Britain's fake report on institutional racism. Matter of fact, we need a boo ad lib for this thing. And then I'm gonna give it to him for, for him. I say boo, 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 Britain, boo. This is bad, okay? <laughs> this is boo because, oh, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say, if we can find an article about it, run that through. See what yeah. see what they they were talking about. Uh, man, Actually, let, me, let, let me find it. Yeah, my phone's this guy phone. wants me to read. My phone's dead. I'm gonna break the shit out of my tongue, son. The what? I break the shit out of my tongue, son. Yeah, that sucks, bro. I don't have a I don't have an article, but I have I have some facts. I got some facts. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. I run. Shout out to the Washington Post though, because I did read I did read an article from them uh, when I was first checking out the story. So yeah, essentially Britain said uh, we're a model of race relations. Other white majority countries should look at us as an example of how to elevate your minority populations, right? Um, a particular aspect of this report that caught flack, besides the fact that they were claiming that there was no institutional racism in Britain, was they said that there's a new story about the Caribbean experience, which speaks to the slave period, not only being about profit and suffering, but how culturally African people transformed themselves into a remodeled African slash Britain. Oh, so they gave us the opportunity to better ourselves is what they say. Apparently, apparently. Well, right? thank you for Britain. Can we get one gunshot for Britain for giving us- No, we cannot get an opportunity gunshot for Britain. They lie. <laughs> you lied. They Listen. do it every time. They do it, they get me every time. I know the tricky's way, but try and stay with me. All right. <laughs> I read that as them insinuating that slavery has been exaggerated, portrayed in too harshly a light, right? Yeah. I disagree. I disagree. 
So you're saying, you're saying that it was not an opportunity to better black people. It was not an upskill mission. Is is what you think? And I frankly don't think that we wanted or needed to be transformed into some new African slash Brit or African American or any of the things that we subsequently were forced to adopt and make beautiful, right? And I think that the main issue with this report, and I have not lived in Britain, but I think it's very dangerous and also absurd for the government of a country to report, of, of Britain especially, to, to report out that there's no institutional racism in Britain when disparities from something as recent as COVID and how p- communities of color were affected by it speak to institutional racism is a very, it's a very dangerous thing to do when policy changes are what's necessary for us to move forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fully, I fully agree with that. And it, it, almost shows a it almost shows a purposeful and blatant ignorance and mockery of the reality of what the people are going through over there we do not need the institution that that puts the rules out that we're trying to change to tell us on the status of how we're doing we do not we do not need that listen to the people that are actually experiencing and are in the country saying that this is a fun fact for you because even in britain it goes the the situation in, the social situation in britain extends past just race right you have people not, uh, a study came out it said 90% of all nurses uh, in the in london cannot afford to live in london wow Right. So then you start to talk about, then you start to go, uh, you know, starting to have a, a whole conversation about whether the city is even doing anything for it's actually the, the mass of the people that are there. Right. Which is one tangent, but just kind of going back to what you said regarding about us not wanting to be moved um, or better yet, we do not need Britain to come through on this, on this great upskilling job opportunity of you know that they that they say that they did um god damn i lost my point i think it's just i think it's just supremely frustrating that the britain would even try to say that it as a country isn't racist right i i it feels just as dissatisfying and cringeworthy as a white <laughs> dude saying just a white person saying, I'm not, I'm not racist. Look at, ask my black friend, right? And it's just. I lost my point because of how absurd it is. It's, 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 it's somewhat difficult to even have, you know, we're sitting here with our big words and explaining the system. It's actually just quite, it's rubbish is what it is. It's nonsense is what it is. You cannot tell me. <laughs> officially on a letter that there's no systemic racism in Britain. Come on now. And I'll just cap it by saying they, uh, some of the things that they listed as, as more influential in outcomes uh, were geography, family influence, socioeconomic background, culture, and religion. Uh, had a more significant impact on life chances than the existence of racism. And I would say to that, that when you systematically don't allow people to live in certain places because of the color of their skin. Uh, when you 
break up families by over-criminalizing the actions of a people because of the color of their skin. When you limit their economic opportunities by denying them jobs, right, by, by not investing in their communities. All of that is structural racism. It is, it is. And if you want to take it even a step further, Miles, the legacies of the actions that that, that particular empire has taken are still prevalent and evident today. You say it in you say it in our intro every day is that the violence that's happening in Chicago is inseparable from the violence that was happening to the people that came on this land before us. That's real. That's real. The you know the people are still suffering from legacies of things that that they carried from decisions that was being made in the British in the British slave trade, right? And so you go in, even into African countries now and see what's happening, regardless of what you want to say. If you're going to tell me from if you're going to tell me from from a lofty uh, a lofty castle, right, that was built on money stolen from the people you are telling should get over their issue, then I'm not going to listen to it and I'm not going to hear it. If you've ever been to a British museum, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you've been to a British museum. It's unfathomable the theft that's happening there. That is the type of truth that we give a gunshot for here on the All The Way Live podcast. I'm glad I got one. There it is. Those there tricky Brits almost almost made me not get a gunshot on this episode. They can't. They can't stop. Won't stop. We will not be silenced, bro. But I think you you touched on something that's that's so key in that it's like we've seen we've lived in the shadow of that castle. We've lived in the shadow of all that we've built, and we've knocked at the door until there's little soft spots in the wood where it's bloodstained, and y'all are telling us. There's no food in here. And we see y'all throwing salami around, right? Y'all gonna make me get on my pock mode, right? We see y'all throwing salami around, right? And you telling us there's no food in here. So that knocking at the door turns, turns into us amassing a crowd of people and saying, they got food and they lying. They, they, we starving, now we hungry. How long do you think until we kicking that door down? Kicking the door. Hey, bro. Hey, man. Listen. If you put one guy shot for yourself too, sir, please. And now, sir, we enter a more serious conversation, um, a conversation that could make or break the entire uh, integrity of this podcast. One that could gain us or lose us followers. A question, Miles Xavier, that could only have been asked by the gods themselves, which is Kong versus Godzilla. Who won? Now, I feel uniquely prepared for this review by our coverage of MMA segments in the past, right? We've been, we've been studying this. fighters for a while now, right? You know, and, and it's one thing to have heart, and it's another thing to bring the heat. I gotta let you know, bro. To me, as I look at my card, I think Godzilla brought that heat. I think he brought that. <laughs> I mean, look, um, championship rounds make champions. You know, I think Godzilla really, he had a plan to drag him deep into the fourth quarter, um, into those last four or five rounds. You know, definitely got him with the grapple game for sure. Uh, Kong definitely got him in the grapple game. Godzilla was more of striking. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more takedown defense from Godzilla's side for sure. 
Yeah, I know you would have thought that the reach advantage on Kong's side, those little T-Rex arms that, that Godzilla's got, you would have thought that got in the way, but he was able to use them effectively. And I think, uh, you know, Kong displayed some some incredible defense with that fire. He was able mm-hmm. to deflect that for a little bit, but it just wasn't enough to pull out the win for him. I think uh, that final stomp really showed that Godzilla was uh, not playing, not playing. With this <laughs> Yo, Buzz. This movie is so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's the thing. I mean, that, that it's almost better to review it as an MMA fight. It's actually so much better. But it's such a ridiculous <laughs> movie. But like, I like that they leaned so hard into the ridiculousness of the movie. Yeah, they, they did. They didn't. They I mean, into it. They, they, so I don't expect anybody to be super into the lore of the Godzilla versus King Kong movies, but they carried some of the same characters from the previous Godzilla movie and the Kong movies that led up to this. They sprinkled a little bit of that in throughout the script. I wish I knew Homeboy's name from Atlanta. Uh, He had a pretty major role, you know what I mean? Uh, So I thought that that was cool, but like you said, they they focused on, yeah, yep, they focused on the action, right? Uh, And I think that that was to their benefit. Uh, but there were still things that I, I enjoyed about the movie, man. I think uh, the fact that Godzilla won the first round and then I, like the, my favorite part of this whole movie, bro, like spoiler alert already, if y'all not already heated, but when Godzilla, when Kong is in the underground world and found his own king chair and seat and Godzilla's like, uh, uh-uh, you lost, bro. He says that. <laughs> Makes the hole in the whole ground with the fire just to be like, nah. <laughs> he wants the smoke. Godzilla's chasing the smoke. Dude, they built this whole raft ship to get King Kong to this underground world, be to separate them. He said, nah. <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> Dug a whole hole in the oh, ground. Oh, man. You know, just That's to talk so shit. Just to lean in the hole and say, no. No, 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 no. None of that chair. None of that chair sitting on the chair throne thing around here. So it's so psyched. So Yo, it's on and out of sight. Godzilla might be my, my most gangster movie character after this movie. Despite how, how bad the movie might have been, Godzilla was a straight G in this movie. It was on sight with Godzilla, bro. He didn't <laughs> care about nothing else, dude. He didn't uh, care what he's in the middle of, what he's about to go do. Godzilla didn't care if he was a robot or if he's not a robot. It's like a <laughs> sight. Bro, you got to be about it to just be out here sensing ops and just being like, all right, just go into the smoke. <laughs> Who's a bigger, oh, no, he might be a bigger op. I'm out. <laughs> you know, Kong's trying to better himself with this little girl that he's carrying around with it. But Godzilla's just what the smoke do. That's all he uh, wants. He's, he doesn't want anything else. I love it. I love it. I love that. Ridiculous. Energy. I love Absolutely that. Absolutely ridiculous. But, it's, but a, think- it's an entertaining movie. Like, it's ridiculous, but it's entertaining. Like, I, I, it's a movie that is best enjoyed. You just talking trash, just trash talk throughout the whole way. Ad lib your whole way through it. Ooh, so check this out. I think we've stumbled upon the, 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 and now we cross segment. Is this a crossover episode? But this, you know what I mean? But it's the, the idea of like, this is best enjoyed, you said with you talking over it, which is specifically not, unless you're in a very specific circumstance, AKA the hood, a movie theater scenario, Ooh. right? So when you think about the optimal way to enjoy this movie, because what I would have thought, what I was thinking, even while watching it was, 
And I don't got no big crazy TV or nothing like that. Shout out to how y'all spend y'all stimmies. But I was thinking I would, this is one movie for sure that while I liked being able to watch it at home, I liked that I had it immediately. I look forward to checking it out at the crib. I would have loved to see it in a theater, right? And feeling comfortable to do so. I think this is a movie that would have benefited from that IMAX visual, that IMAX sound, you know what I mean? One of the yeah. few, right? A lot of times that's not really worth it, but I think it might've been here. And I think the future of movie theaters depends on A, luxury, right? I don't think it's gonna be too much more of that auditorium stuff. It's gonna be the eye pick, <laughs> little cuddle pod type stuff, you know what I mean? The, you the, order, the, right? the opera chairs. Yeah, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the you know the little pods, right? And two, are people still gonna come out for movies that are better viewed? on a screen that's just too big for your house. And I think King Kong versus Godzilla was definitely an example of that. And if we like to watch it at home, and you're saying that you would prefer to chill with it, talk over it, and make a home pizza, I think that doesn't bode too well for the movie industry as it has existed up to this point. Yeah, but then again, we still don't know how the movie industry is even calculating or counting um, streams, right? Let alone, we don't even know how music, they calculate the value of a stream. But I heard that Eddie Murphy's um, Coming to America 2 is like the highest, um, the highest grossing something, something on Amazon or something to that effect, right? Um, but, and that, but that's what I'm saying to you, bro, is that invest in getting a, a home theater type of experience. And I'm not being like... Copper TV, but I'm just saying that the the if you enjoy movies in that sense, then there's a little bit that needs to be done to optimize a little bit of that setting. Because as I was saying, now watching Kong, um, you know, I was watching with my lady. I was very happy that I was not at the theater for that. Not saying that I have an insane television, but um, you know, it's the up the the ability to be able to talk through it comfortably. Um, I, I like that. I like these new straight to TV releases, dual, dual releases. I like that a lot. Yeah, you you are uh, you're the guy who was saying, dude, you can just order your movies in the mail, and like they come to you in three to five days, and you watch it, and you put it back, and then you get another one. And I was the yeah, guy saying, yeah. Blockbuster, you're gonna miss the way it smells. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And everybody thought I was crazy, and I feel like that way. I'm just that. Maybe I'm overly nostalgic in that way but i do i i love the movie theater it's something that me and my family have always done like it's something that you know like countless dates relationships like it's very much there's a sentimental value to the smell of popcorn you know what i mean the the uh even just like like i even alluded to before like going to a, a hood theater and watching like a movie that generates a reaction from the crowd and and oh, that oh, just oh, changing yeah, that changes a movie experience so that when you get it later on DVD or whatever, like, you know, you're you're both watching it by itself for the first time, but you also are remembering like something more unique about it. Like I I just like that. And I like going to the movies with a whole bunch of people. Like I'm that guy. I'm gonna miss that. And I and it's crazy to me to think about at this stage that my kids might not I might be telling them about that, but they might not experience. You know what yeah. I mean? My kids Where's will never know what Blockbuster. No, I mean, like, let's not say that, though, because we don't know. But, like, where I, where we're seeing it going is that it would have to be an experience. And I see potentially the virtual experience of being in a cinema. Like, 
IMAX, which is taking a step forward in that way, to completely be immersive and give you an experience that you definitely wouldn't have outside of your home, outside of just having a big TV, which is the couch that 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 moves, which is the sound, you know, it might. But then again, it speaks to the trend of most things moving towards um, luxury experiences and, and carefully curated experiences. You know, we're seeing that in many different in many different things. And I think the movie experience might be just that. Like if you want to be in a it might even be a virtual reality thing where you're paying to participate in the movie and see it from that perspective. There's 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 so many different things that can happen with it. That would be raw. That would be dope. Hey, if there's like a there's a VR actor who's like a character, but it, it becomes a then we get real hazy between the line between video games and and uh and movies, which is cool. And maybe that's where we're pushing things to. That's Kong. Kong felt like a video game when you were watching it. Yeah, for sure. Much <laughs> better better than that uh that choose your own story that uh, Black Mirror did. Boo, boo. boo. As, I was, as I was watching Kong, uh, you know, I said uh as I was saying, I was watching my my lady. So I go, man, this is not realistic. You know, these graphics are terrible. This doesn't look realistic at all. And she's like, what does an intergalactic giant space monkey <laughs> look like in realism, though? You know, what does that actually supposed to look like? And I found that quite funny. Yeah, well, it's interesting when you think about, like, these movies are built on, like, this isn't our generation's, like, content even really like these movies are built on a history of like cult classic monster movies right like and to a large extent the original king kong movie for sure at least can be definitely analyzed for a lot of uh socio-political perspective about but we don't got to get into all that but these are built on a whole history of movies right and it's really interesting to like think about it was like a combination of puppets and stop animation that people were captivated by and that really took root of these characters and people's imaginations. So I think it's always interesting to think of these from the perspective of like as a kid, right? As a seven-year-old who watches Godzilla versus King Kong, I can't imagine what that experience is like coupled with that imagination. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's 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 really incredible. And I'm sure that they'll they look at a lot of the stuff that we were captivated by like the way that we look at some of those old puppeted Godzilla versus Mothra, Mecha Godzilla, yeah. you know, like movies. Yeah, I think when we look back at the generation of, there was that period in time where we were doing high school movies and like high school spoof movies, right? When Scary Movie was coming out and that gory, um, um, oh I know God. what you did last summer. There was that whole period, there was nothing but just straight high school movies coming out. I think when we look, when we look back at, you know, moment in time in film, industry that is going to be a nasty uh that's going to be a nasty moment in 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 our time of film yeah meet the spartans is the only time i've ever walked out of a theater like <sighs> just like oh this is so bad i cannot continue watching it it's terrible like, that's an absolutely terrible movie yeah i know i know exactly what you're talking about but some of those i think it's interesting it, and it speaks to our uh in the film industries like tendency to just squeeze things till they're dry bro like the first scary movie based on around the the movies like slasher movies like scream and i know what you did last summer that we were getting before that like is a cool concept right that parody is a cool concept then you did it twice then you did it four times then you made epic movie 
right? Then you made adventure movie. Then you made like we just we don't know how to let things trends go. We're always, you know, and even Godzilla vs King Kong isn't a new idea. We're all, we 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 have trouble uh, letting go of 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 the past and and of even I do with movie theaters. So it's all we're all caught in this nostalgia bubble. I'm not yeah. immune to it. I mean, it happens all it happens all the time. Not not thinking. I think we're at that place where. Um, superhero movies, I think, are just are getting squeezed too. We're down to the, we're down to the to the to the itty bits of it. Yep. Let's re. So yeah, literally. Let's remake the remake and pull this new remake and put some remake. We got a remake sandwich. A remake sandwich <laughs> is all we get, you know. And I think, uh, but that's gonna be a fly time to reflect back, like when movies are super fly. Like same thing when you look back at like uh, some Humphrey Bogart movies or. When you look back at, let's say, Twelve Angry Men, uh, things like that, you know, you that's a golden age in movies. And then Sidney Poitier, looking back at that time, movies how it was shot, so beautiful, the colors so nice, the schemes, all of it. And then you come here, and then you see our um, animation movies and our, you know, animations and um, hero movies. It's like ah, perfect. Now the question is, where is it going to next? What's the next thing? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the next thing is. Uh, and I think it's interesting to think about what are some of the movies that you feel will be carried on from this period, like, that will that we will look back at. Because sometimes those things happen at the same time, right? Like, sometimes really, those really terrible, like, turn-of-the-century 2000s comedies, I think The Matrix was made right along, like, maybe, oh, no, that's probably before that, 2000, right? Yeah. But, like, I think a lot of times they do coincide with different with different movies that are really good yeah, right yeah. so uh what are some of the movies? i hate that movie <laughs> you mean blue pocahontas but like that and this is the the value of that right is that it's a very basic story avatar is a very very basic story it's not it's not a it's not a compelling story more so as it is a compelling world and universe that's created and a visual and artistic accomplishment in cgi is what it is. Yeah, maybe. That's maybe. what Avatar is because the story is Pocahontas. Yeah, I, but when I think of movies that have carried on forward, I feel like they've often married a good story with like that kind of like Star Wars, for example. Like the original story, very basic, but it's still very like the "I am your father" twist is also something as far as writing in cinema that I think is really iconic. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure to some people, yeah, Avatar's in there. I think for me, uh, I think of things like uh, Crash. Interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that's some. I think that's a movie that a lot of people can find something to relate to. Mystic River. Mm, mm. But then again, when we look at it, right, we we might be looking at the movies that are going to move forward when we're in fact at the golden age of television. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. We're at the golden age of television, the wire, uh, the best television has been created in our time. Yeah. Yeah. And we're speaking, I think very generally about like, yeah. since we've been alive, right. And yeah, even yeah. more conscious, like 2019, yeah. 2000 and onward. Right. Yeah, that's a good that's a good window frame to start it in. Let's say from the two thousands. We're talking about two thousands would be in our time, which is only twenty years, but that's yeah. you know, television in that sense. Movies, um 
I, I I don't mind. I like Crash. I think Crash is I think Crash is good. Any Denzel movie, but like if we're talking mass popular, public opinion, Lion King esque, moving forward, I think um, Avengers, um, Avengers has to go on there. Avengers, yeah. Avengers, Batman. Oh yeah, I think the Christopher Nolan. I think the Dark Knight is absolutely one of those movies that will be carried on for like you know. And it will be interesting to know how those how those movies that we think of in the past, right, were received at the time. I know there's a lot about how Star Wars, you know, was a hit, but not immediately, right? Like it took a little bit of word of mouth uh, to to kind of get that out. And yeah, it would be really interesting to experience what some of those Humphrey Bogart movies were like. The movies Casablanca. What was it? What was the the consensus at the time? Yeah. Right. <laughs> This nigga on the screen <laughs> was a consensus at the time. Right. Yeah, man. It's interesting. Yeah, but I, white I, folks heated. You said what? I said he had those white folks heated for sure. Sydney Poitier? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Keep them white folks heated. Yeah, man. Mr. Moss Xavier, I think we like cooked up a, a decent pot of content for the people today, bro. Yeah, I think we done threw them a lot of things, man. Some some emotional things, some some knowledge things. I did wanted to get into the NFT museum, but we can say that for some more episodes, man. We got a couple. We can save that. We can save that. We're here our to cup. stay, evidently. Apparently, I'm gonna keep because, coming back. It's because we know. We know. Yeah, we know. We know. We know that if you here, you must like it here. You know what I'm saying? You got a lot of choices. You got a lot of options. We know that. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. What are you here for? Well, I know I'm here for a celebration of life. Celebration of love. Celebration of celebrating. Um, Celebration of how good it feels to be black. So, hey, don't it feel good to be black? I quite enjoy it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. It, it is to be enjoyed thoroughly and listen the podcast is to be enjoyed thoroughly your easter weekend was to be enjoyed thoroughly whatever day time minute moment you're in right now is to be enjoyed thoroughly we love y'all thoroughly mm-hmm. peace mm-hmm. love water we gone